Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. So we're in the book of Nehemiah looking at, uh, at God amongst the ruins, and there's, there's, there's uh, I want us, and maybe it was me just had this analogy of, of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, so if you're not aware of that, if you have a Bible, you want to pull your Bible out, so you can go to that if it's on your app, because we're going to read through the passage of Scripture now, um, and I'd like you to follow on so you can see it for yourself. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, there's one at the entrance, we can get it for you. Um, you can have it, it's yours. We'd like you to mark it, make it your own. God's going to speak to you, and we're trusting that God speaks to you as we highlight Scripture, and we would like you to, to uh, yeah, Feel free to mark the Bible and, and, and mark your journey of what God's saying to you. So um, the reason why we're doing this is, who's watched Shrek? The first Shrek. Most of us, okay. What does he say? Ogres are like? Parfait. No, he says onions first. Um, book of Nehemiah is like a bit of an onion. It's this Old Testament book that the more we peel away the layers... There's more revelation that comes through. So there's a way to approach Nehemiah where we just basically deal with church history. This is what happened. These are the details. These are the headlines. And then we move on. But then there's a way to say prophetically, what is God saying to us as a church? Prophetically, we feel like there's this new season God's bringing us into where we want to rebuild on godly values. We want to rebuild into what everything that God's got for us. We want to rebuild what God wants to do with us. For the sake of the future, the, the kingdom was taken away from, uh, from, from Israel, from, from the Jews. And Nehemiah was burdened by this. So he wanted to restore the kingdom of God. When God teaches, how to, teaches us how to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So the, the next layer is as prophetic as a church. Like how, how, do we, how do we build things with kingdom focus? What do we, we looked at... Uh, Acts 2 verse 42, where we see that the early church was devoted to certain things. We want to force those things into our culture because that's making sure Jesus is at the center of everything, right? And then there's another layer where we, un- where we peel it. And, and as a, for me, this has been a very challenging two chapters to, to prepare because Nehemiah is this ultimate example of a leader. And for me, there's stuff as a leader that shines onto my heart and be like, I need to set an example the way Nehemiah does. And as, as followers, as, as, believers in Christ, as, as believers of Christ, there's a, there's a responsibility we have as this next layer comes to say, okay, how do we respond to what Nehemiah is saying to all of us collectively? We all find ourselves in the same boat. So there's two, there's two ways I want us to look at, at Nehemiah as we carry on. It's a mirror. So as we look at the scriptures... We see ourselves and there's something that we need to change. It's as well as it's a lens. It's a, it's, a, it's a lens that we put on to view the world and to view the season we're in and prophetically what God's doing with us. So with that being said, we are, near, we are in Nehemiah 2 verses 11 to 20. And uh, I've got my wonderful wife with me today. She's normally with the kids, but uh, she's... Not with them today, thank you, Lord, and she's going to be reading for us. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I had 
and, and I and a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley, valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so I returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the land of my God that, uh, sorry, and I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But then Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servants and Geshem the Arab heard of it. They jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim. In Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. So let's dive into this. So I mentioned it in the introduction. Uh, one of the, the theologians, Michael Eaton, he says this. He says, more than any other, uh, more than any, uh, sorry, more than any other than Jesus, Nehemiah, he's an example of a man who got things done for God. So there was this this model of a leader. Now you might say to me, well, I'm not a leader. Well, let me demystify the word leader for you. You are. If you put your hand by your mouth and you can feel breath, you are leading. You are leading yourself. If, you, if you're the head of your home, you're leading your home. You might be leading in business. It's not just, okay, well, this is for the guys who are leading churches. No, every single one of us are leading our lives in a direction. The decisions we make, the choices we make, it is leading in a direction. So it's not like, oh, well, this book's just for leaders. I can just sit back and relax. No, this book's for all of us. Again, we apply it to ourselves and we, we, we trust God to change the way we view things. And Nehemiah is someone, so yes, he's a model for a leader, but he's a model for someone who leads their life. We get that? We're okay with that? Everyone's a leader in some capacity. So that's the first thing that, that, that we need to understand about Nehemiah. It's, it's two big themes that come through in this passage of Scripture. The next one, we looked at it and it was introduced last week, is, is faith. Is there's, this, there's this shift that Nehemiah, that is happening in the book, is Nehemiah 1 was this personal revelation, his personal, his heart was grieved, he was burdened by the news of what took place, about the wall being broken. Now there's a shift to him doing something about, about it, but him uh, mobilizing and, and, and we, we looked at how he went to the king and asked the king and now he's in Jerusalem rebuilding the wall. So just before this, there's this huge amount of faith that, uh, that, um, that Nehemiah is needed. Now, 
I want us to look at faith in a certain way. I've shared this before. Uh, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. I want to look at us at faith in salvation because this is how we apply this faith. This faith for, for Nehemiah was stepping out and going to Jerusalem and seeing the wall and, and being part of the wall being, being built. Our kingdom is not a physical kingdom we're building. It is a spiritual kingdom. Jesus came to reveal a spiritual kingdom. Even the disciples struggled with that. Even like the last moment before Jesus dies, they're still arguing, well, when's this physical, this physical kingdom going to be restored? And Jesus is like, it's not. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's, a, it's as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's, it's Jesus' rule and reign in our lives. It's the, the culture we set as a church. It's the things we celebrate, the things we give ourselves to. That is Jesus' church, the church he's building. It's not a building. Let me repeat that. It's not a building. It's not like you get into this holy place and there's like this holy sanctuary. Well, in an hour's time, this holy sanctuary is going to be very unholy, right? There's going to be soda on the floor. There's going to be popcorn all over the place. It's going to look very different. There's nothing holy about this building. It's us. Who carry Jesus, where we are, the way we interact with each other, the way we have, have meals together. What we do, we are the church. So there's these three aspects of faith. We are justified when we put our faith in Jesus. It's this saving faith. Our faith in Jesus justifies us. It's a moment where we realize we were sinners and we needed a savior. Then we go to sanctification, where it is this. It's now that we are entering into God's kingdom. It keeps us in God's kingdom. It's this revelation of Jesus that we need every single day to carry on becoming more like Christ. It's, it's sanctifying our sinful nature into holiness, righteousness. The, what Jesus, when Jesus speaks about the uh, parables, he's speaking about that moment of, of inheriting God's kingdom on earth. And then glorification is when we, are in, when we inherit the kingdom of God, when we are glorified into Jesus, when it's not, any, it's not, not my kingdom, it's got nothing to do with me, it's only got to do with Jesus and His glory. Do we? These are three biblical ways that we describe salvation. Now often for us, we're okay with sanctification. I mean, justification. We're okay to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if I probably had to ask us to put our hands up, I'm not going to do that. But most of us would probably have a, maybe a religious understanding of Christianity or maybe a, a, a revelation. Or maybe there was a moment where we gave our hearts to the Lord. But now where do, what are we doing about it? So you're in God's kingdom, but what are you doing about it? God wants to sanctify you. He wants to take you as a sinner and make you into his perfect image. He wants to change your nature. He loves and he cares for you. As we look at the psalm, that psalm in the beginning, he created the hearts of the, of the, of the world and the depths of the world. But yet he cares about you. He gave his son for you so you can inherit the kingdom of God. But there's a part we need to play. That's where Nehemiah, the faith aspect of Nehemiah is he was burdened by the fact that the walls were broken. He was burdened by the fact that there wasn't this kingdom that anyone could go to or inherit. So his heart was burdened and he wanted to do something about it. I hope my prayer is your heart might be burdened because you're not becoming more like Christ today.
Maybe that can change. Maybe there's hope for us all, which there is. Maybe we can shine light on that and saying, how can we all become more like Christ? So we can finally get to a place where we can inherit God's glory. Because that's what we want, right? Thank you. Two of us are convinced. Off we go into the take on the world. But that's what it's about. It's not about our, like the whole Bible's about that. So I hope at the end result is you want more of Jesus. If you don't, I'm sorry, all we've got is Jesus. That's all we're going to give you. So Nehemiah had this faith in God's plan. God had called him to go to Jerusalem. He called him to rebuild the wall and he had faith in God's plan. Do we have faith in Jesus' plan, in God's plan for salvation? If we do, let's learn and, and deal with some of the challenges that Nehemiah dealt with so we can inherit God's kingdom. Okay? So the first thing in verse 11, and this is probably the most, I love this. In verse 11 it says, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Our modern understanding would be, I went to Jerusalem and I started doing everything from the moment I landed, right? The first thing I want you to help you understand, naps are biblical. <laughs> Taking a nap is biblical. And this is why. Nehemiah was in Jerusalem for three days before he did any, anything. We are getting sucked into a culture where it's instant. Where everything has to happen now. I'm saved, God. Why aren't I inheriting the kingdom of God? Why aren't I glorified? Why aren't I just walking into everything? Why hasn't just church just boomed and we've taken over the world and we're on to the next thing? I know the city is all about the hustle, but it is counterculture to the Bible. If you don't rest and see what God is doing, you can't prepare yourself for what he wants to do with you. You see, Nehemiah was led to Jerusalem. It took him two months to get there. But he knew. He had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff on the way. He knew he had to calm down to prepare what God's got for him. Rest is not a bad thing. We need to break this crazy cycle that we feel like we need to get into of just carrying on pursuing something. And even the pursuit of God's kingdom can be a bad thing because we feel we need to do it. No, rest in Jesus knowing he will do it. Nehemiah was able to rest because God's plan and he had faith in God's plan, not his plan. Now, if Nehemiah was like me, the moment I got there, and then he do this, this, mobilize these guys, buy this material, put up these beams, do this, lay these bricks, there would have been a, remember what I said last week? My wife comes and tells me about her problems. What do I want to do? Fix them. Got, got the list already, the to-do list. We can sort out all your problems in this one moment. But God, it's not about God. God's timing is perfect. Are we able to rest and know that God is working? The next thing. He's uh, in this resting, he is preparing himself to do something. There's this preparation that he's going through. Nehemiah went out at night in verses 12 to 15. You can see that after resting, he knew he had to do something. He knew he couldn't just rest for eternity. 
that would be amazing. They have an eternal nap, but it's not about that. It's about, yes, there's a, there's a, a moment of resting, but it has to kick on to say, okay, now what are you going to do in 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 6? Timothy, uh, Paul uses this analogy to Timothy. He uses three pictures. A soldier, a farmer, and a athlete. And he uses these three pictures to help Timothy understand what it means to be faithful. What it means to faithfully pursue God. He uses a picture of a, of a farmer. A farmer plants a seed. He planted the seed. But what did he do? He waited till God brought that seed in. He had to prepare the soil. He had to make sure he placed the seed at the right time. He did everything he did. He put he had all the discipline to make sure that at the right time he could reap the harvest. An athlete, Usain Bolt, didn't just arrive at the 100 meters and be like, I can do this. His whole life was dedicated for that one moment. He spent his whole life training for that one moment moment where he could run the hundred meters and win. Are we just hoping we inherit the kingdom of God? Or are we disciplined? Are we waiting on God? A soldier doesn't just fight anyone. A soldier understands that there is a there is a a, a, a battle at hand. There is a way to do it. You are not just on your own. You're part of a group. You, you, you have an instructor or a commander or a th I don't know the ranks. Military people, please forgive me. But uh, they are under instruction. They know how to work as a team. They know how to work together. They know how to do what, what, what they've been called to do. They have discipline and they understand the end goal. All of these things work together in God preparing us the same way as Nehemiah was prepared to do what God called us to do, right? The interesting thing is Nehemiah walked around the, the wall and what did he see? He saw the problems. But what else did he see? The potential. See, we look at our lives and maybe we're resting and then we wake up and we want to do something and we only see the problems. Well, if I could sing, well, if I could preach, well, if I had time to, well, if I didn't have kids and I could pray, if I could do this, if I could do this, we look at all the problems of why we won't and why we can't inherit the kingdom of God. Why don't you start looking at the potential of what is there? Good. Nehemiah looked at the parts of the wall that were still existing. There was still, God was still doing something. There were still Jews living in and amongst the ruins. God was still doing something. He was preparing a way. There was potential there. Remember Abraham's prayer with Sodom and Gomorrah? Give me one righteous person finally. And there was no one. And then Sodom and Gomorrah got, got uh, uh, God, God didn't do that with, with, with uh, he found the, 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 the life in the ruins. We can inherit the kingdom of God. We can see this if we look at the potential that God has put inside of us. Us. This, uh, the, the next thing is, uh, I call it the William Wallace moment. Is the next thing that Nehemiah does is he steps out in faith. Now, if you've watched Braveheart, I don't want to promote movies, it, it is kind of a rough movie, but I love it. If you've watched Braveheart, the, the, the Scots are busy lining up against this mighty English army, and that's hopeless. But there's this William Wallace moment 
where he comes through and he gives the speech. And if you ever feel down, just go watch that speech. You don't have to watch the whole movie. But there's this moment where he, where he puts faith into the soldiers and they land up winning the battle. Now so much more, Nehemiah understands that God, what God has called him to do. He understands God's plan. And he steps out in, in faith. He steps out and challenges the people around him. He challenges the, sta- the status quo. He does it in, 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 in two ways. The first way is Nehemiah responds. He identified with the people's needs. He doesn't isolate himself. He doesn't say it's us and them. It's you and your God. It's you and, and, and with the people that are there. He uses the words like this. He says, uh, uh, in the end of in verse 16, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burnt. Come let us build the wall of Jerusalem. It's not a us and them. It's a, it's a he owns what's going on. He, he, then he goes on and he says, um, and he says, uh, and then he said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthen their hands for the good work. And he gives them this understanding. Uh, uh, sorry, verse 18. And I told them for the hand of God that had been upon me for, uh, uh, for good and also um, for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. There's this, Nehemiah responds in this faith, in this faith step, by reminding the people of, of the Jews that were there of what God had done. God had, it wasn't a, you do this and I'll do that and, and you do that and I'm just going to sit back. No, it was, God has brought us this far. He has taken all the wealth that was in the Persian kingdom and, and funded the rebuilding of the wall. He inspires them with God's plan. He responds by looking. We need to be people that if we're taking steps of faith to, to fight for a godly culture above everything, what are we inspiring each other with? Your ideas or God's ideas? It's not a you go do, it's a us, let us go do it. Revelation 12 verse 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. Nehemiah was using his testimony to, to pull everyone together. What is your testimony? Are you the person that just looks at the problem? Well, there's a problem. Or are you the person that looks at the potential and responds and taking steps of faith that are about the testimony of what God is doing? Nehemiah had the personal burden. He had this personal revelation. We have this personal understanding that we need the saving grace of Jesus. We need the saving grace of Jesus to inherit the kingdom of God. Are we rallying around that revelation or our own understanding or our own whatever? Then the people respond. Now this is an interesting thing. What normally happens? So Ezra, if you... Church history, quickly in a nutshell, Ezra came to try restore something of the kingdom uh, of the wall, but he got, the, it got lost and he landed up restoring the temple, which is not a bad thing. How did the people respond? They didn't say, well, we've tried that and it didn't work. Well, you're just coming with new eyes and new ideas and new things and, and we don't really want that. No, they embraced what God is doing. They owned what God is doing. They responded with, 
Let us rise up and build. Now, Nehemiah was speaking to the people that were living in that, in that city already. They were there living in the ruins. And they said, let us get together. So it's God's wanting to do a new thing with this church. Let us get together and build what God's wanting to do. It's not Craig and his thing. It's not Craig and his church. It's us doing what God's called us to do in this church. Right? Not convinced. It's fine. We are okay. Oh, no, I'm not going to go there. But it has to be an ownership. It has to be us. It has to be not we tried that before. Not, that, not the way we do it. Not that's our culture. No. What is kingdom and let us pursue kingdom. That's why we're having things like DNA. That's why we're going to go plunge together because we want to grow the us. Maybe sometimes we can get uncomfortable to get more comfortable with each other when we see each other freezing. But how do we respond when, when there's a new season or a new challenge or a new way of doing things? It's us responding not to Craig, not to the leaders of journey, to God. What is God wanting from us? What doors is God opening? What is God doing? Then they are united in their faith. Uh, faith should unite us. The faith that we have should unite us. It's not the church shouldn't be known for what they stand against. It should be what, who they stand for. We're united under Jesus. We should be known for that. It's worth noting. Now, I found this so fascinating when I was reading it. And, and I'm going to be closing in two minutes. A little bit over time, but please forgive me. It took... So, so Nehemiah had been... Yes, he was Jewish. From He was a Jew. Uh, but he had been living in the Persian kingdom for so long. He was a, a leader in the church. He was a, I mean, in the, in the kingdom, in the Persian kingdom, he was a cupbearer. He carried authority. It's interesting, and the, the commentators I was reading said how it took a Persian-influenced Jew to come into Jerusalem and rebuild the kingdom of God. And then he was able to rally the Jews that were there together, and it took someone from the outside now, I'm not saying that prophetically the stars lined up. I just felt it so fascinating. And I was sharing this with my wife. It's like something of our story. I'm not yet to save us. I'm not yet to do anything. But sometimes when God does things with outside voices and different opinions for the sake of what's going on to the future, it's part of God's plan. It's part of just putting it together. We, we might not, it might not look the same. It might not be done the same as it was when the wall was originally built, but it's, it's the season that God's got us in. It's not my, it wasn't my plan. My, my plan wasn't to come to New York and, and take over the leadership of Journey Church. I didn't even know Journey Church existed. We were planting a church in Kew Gardens and I was happy. But God, but God, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king and he was happy. He was living the life, but God, but God, whatever your story is, maybe you've been here and years past and now suddenly there's this red bearded, wild, crazy South African in front of you, but God, but God has you for such a time as this. Are we going to unite around what God's doing or are we going to look at the problems 
and fight about the problems. Because the very next thing, in verses 19 and 20, again, he faces opposition. Nehemiah comes up. Nehemiah is trying to rally everyone, trying to do everything, and he's trying to pursue everything that God's got for them. And what happens? These doubters come. They start by challenging him. They start by um, just having a go at him and saying, you can't really do this. How can you do this? Do you have the king's authority? And Nehemiah was able to challenge his people around what God, God's plan, but in the same way, he was able to stand up against the enemy and deal with the enemy decisively. I love at the end of it where it says, um, verses 20, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to inherit his kingdom. I want to be sanctified. I want more of him. There's going to be doubters. There's going to be opposition. What do you do? Do you choose to listen to that? Or do you say, I am going to build God's kingdom. I'm going to pursue God's kingdom. And you, sinful nature, you old friends, old life, old whatever, will have no part of that. Because it's not part of God's kingdom. So we shift in now, verse chapter 3. We're going to start looking at rebuilding the wall. Uh, but I want to I want to land with these four questions. Before we get on to physically looking at this wall, walls being renewed, uh, rebuilt. Before we look at how we can build ourselves into the kingdom, this church, uh, in, as individuals, we need to ask ourselves these: Do we have a burden in our hearts for godliness? Are we willing to sacrifice and be prepared to accomplish everything God's got for us? Are we patient? Do we motivate ourselves with God's plan, His blueprint, and His standards? Or are we motivating ourselves around something else? Please don't motivate yourself around me, because I will let you down. I'll frustrate you. I can guarantee you that. But if we look at God's plan, we can change and we can do whatever He's called us. Do we trust God's plan? Are we cooperating with the enemy in any way? a tough one we want to inherit god's kingdom but we also want to keep the sin on the side god wants to set us free from all of that amen, amen. in closing 1 corinthians 5 verse 58 now these are paul writing i wish nehemiah had these words it says this it says therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that your labor is not in vain for the Lord. Close eyes. Lord God, I pray for every single one of us. Wherever we are, whether we have accepted Jesus Christ or not. I pray, Lord God, that we will we'll make that decision if we haven't. To pursue you above everything. That you have died on the cross to set us free. I pray we will put our faith in you, Jesus. Because you have a, a plan and a purpose for our lives. I pray we will, we will we'll put our hands up and say, I want to declare you as my Savior. Lord God, I pray for us if we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior.
I pray that we will hold on to these words. That we'll be, we'll be steadfast, we'll be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain for the Lord. Lord God, I pray that we will pursue you above everything. I pray, Lord God, we won't hold back to the old lifestyle. We'll pursue you and we'll start becoming more like you. We'll look in the mirror as Nehemiah made the adjustments in his own heart, his own personal life, prepared himself to inherit the kingdom of God. I pray we'll do that, Lord God. Amen. Amen.